This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, welcome to C3 and thank you. Thank you for choosing to begin the year with us, our first uh, experiences of 2021. The last few days, not just the last few days, but the last few months, the last year, has been unreal. And right now we're in a place where there is a lot of hate, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of feelings. And as we step back and look at that, I'm reminded of Jesus who said that People will know who we are by the way we love each other. And it doesn't mean we abandon our beliefs. It doesn't mean that we just bow to whatever thinking of whoever else. But it does mean we're supposed to be different. And as the church, I think we have an opportunity to lead the way in what healing can look like. And so I want to take just a moment this morning as we begin this year to pray, to pray for our nation, to pray for you, to pray for me. And then I want to dive into something I want to share with you that I think will set the tone for a year, uh, this new year in your life and mine. But let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are and thank you for the deep love you have for each and every one of us. Father, we recognize this morning that you love people we agree with and you love people we disagree with. You love people that think the same way we do, and you love people that think differently than we do. And Father, I just pray that you would bring healing to our nation. It's not something that any political party can do. It's not something that any individual can do. It's something that that you do, but the formula you've laid out for us in Scripture, you've said, if my people. And so, Father, as Christ followers, I pray that we would humble ourselves, that we would seek you, that we would be love in a climate of hate that we would be a kind of strength and power that's full of peace that comes from you to impact our nation in a positive way. And God, I pray your blessings on this nation, and I pray your blessings on every person watching in this moment and a part of this experience. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, this moment right now, is actually the beginning of the rest of your life. And so what you do with this moment will determine how the rest of your life looks. If it will be better or worse, if it will be hopeful or hopeless, if it will be more promising than what your current or your past life has been. This moment right now. And what's more important than the reality that we're stepping into a new year is the reality that this day is a new day. You've never been here before. I've never been here before. This moment is brand new. And the rest of your life, all of it, is in the future. There's not one moment in the rest of your life that is in your past. So let's stop living there. Let's think about the future because that's where the rest of your life is. And the reality is, as we move into 2021, God has thought more about your 2021 than you have. 
He's thought more about my 2021 than I have. And he has a plan for us in this year. It feels familiar, and at the same time, it's unknown. Familiar because you know the feeling of a new year, but unknown because you've, you've never experienced the new in the next year. We wrap our minds around this idea of a new year and we, we look toward it and so much of us, so many of us were, were excited about man, 2020 being behind us, but in how 2021 has begun, it's, it, it feels like the same stress, the same tension, bigger problems, bigger issues, and there, there seems to be no relief. And so we get excited about, hey, it's a new year and the idea is familiar because we've been through it, but it's unknown because we haven't seen new. In so many ways, things on the outside just seem the same. And, and truthfully, as you and I move into New Year's, isn't it true that often things on the inside stay the same? There's that day or two or week or two where we feel a little bit different and, and choose to maybe be a little bit more hopeful and, and lay out some ideas about what it's going to look like. But we, we, we fade back, we, we go back, we slide back to what we've known. So how can this year be truly new? Not just on the calendar, but in your life. Because the rest of your life, all of it, is in the future. And so today I just want to have a conversation. I, I want to imagine that you and I are sitting down and we're going to have a cup of coffee. In fact, I love coffee. If you love coffee or maybe your deal's hot tea, put, put in the chat where your favorite coffee place is or where you love to grab hot tea and maybe what kind, because I'm always looking for new places and, and new things to try. But, but if we were to be able to sit down for just a moment and have a cup of coffee and a conversation, let's talk about your future. I love this passage in John chapter 5. Jesus has come into an area and he has a conversation. And I think there's a lot we can glean from this conversation that can actually set a tone for where we're going in this new year and bring, bring some new that maybe we've never experienced. John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, Five covered colonnades. Remember that. Five covered colonnades. Don't forget that. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I think it's a profound question. But... It comes off as somewhat rude, like you and I would not walk up to somebody that, that has a physical issue they're dealing with or, or has a disability that they're navigating. We would not walk up to them and say, hey, you want to get well? It, it feels almost offensive. Why would Jesus ask this question? Clearly, the man, 38 years, he's, he's stuck. When I was a kid, we would go camping in Texas, Lake Sam Rayburn. And I remember as a little kid, we'd have an aluminum boat and we'd push it off from shore and we'd go out and fish. And I'm, I'm not a big fisherman. It, it bores me. I love fishing where every time you cast, you catch something. I'm good with that. But just spending hours out there on the water, my, my brain just, it's very difficult for me. But we would come back and there was no dock. And we were in this little aluminum boat. My dad was in the back and he was driving with his hand on the motor, and I'd be in the front, and, and usually, because I was the oldest, I would have to jump out in the water, 
grab the front of the boat and pull it up on shore. But often when you jump out, what happens when you jump into lake water like that? It's muddy and my shoes would begin to get stuck in the mud and I would begin to sink. And when I was really little, it was a little bit concerning, a little bit terrifying. I'm, I'm sinking in this mud. It's hard to get my feet out. I feel, I feel stuck. This guy is stuck 38 years. And so Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And one of the things that's so fascinating to me about this passage is he doesn't say yes. I mean, this is Jesus who's known throughout the area. And Bethesda, where, where this place is, you're waiting for a miracle. That's why people are laying around there. Surely he's heard of Jesus. And Jesus comes up and says, do you want to get well? And the guy doesn't say yes. Instead, he says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Bethesda was not an uncommon scene. It's where anyone that needed a miracle would gather and they would just wait there. And they would wait day after day after day because the story was and what had been told and what everybody heard and everybody believed was that once a year an angel would come and stir the water in the pool. And if you were the, if you were the first one to make it into the pool, you would get a miracle. But this guy's been there 38 years. And he can't move. There are no wheelchairs. There are no prosthetics. He has no friends to help him get there faster. And so the idea of him getting in the water first is somewhat hopeless, yet this seems to be his only hope. Have you ever been in a scenario where what you thought was your only hope seemed hopeless? And so he's just been waiting. And Jesus, Jesus asked, do you want to get well? And he doesn't say yes. Jesus walks up in the crowd there, potentially hundreds there, gathered around that pool day after day, just, just waiting for the angel to stir the waters and maybe they'll be the first one. Just waiting out of desperation. And out of everybody there, Jesus walks up to what could be the worst case scenario, the guy that's been there 38 years because Jesus is not afraid of worst case scenarios. And he asks what appears to be this ridiculous question. Do you want to get well? You and I would think, of course. But this man doesn't answer. Instead, he begins to explain because this man is stuck. He's not just stuck physically with what he's having to navigate, with not being able to move. He's become stuck emotionally. He's stuck mentally. He's stuck financially. He's stuck relationally. This guy is stuck. But there's something I want you to notice about this place. Bethesda, that promised so much. Bethesda, this pool that promised a miracle. Bethesda, where all of these people were waiting for, for something to happen that would help them benefit their lives. The place that was supposed to be the place of hope. It's just a trap. It's not, it's not an address. It's a mindset. It's a place that is continually failing to deliver what it promises. Jesus asked, do you want to get well? What, what he's saying is, how, how much damage has being here done to you? What's gotten in your head? Do, do you really, you, you've been waiting 38 years. Are you sure, do you really want to get well? 
And I think part of the reason maybe Jesus is asking this question is there's so many things in Scripture where God lays out, hey, here's how you live your best life. Here's how you experience your best marriage. Here's how relationships are the healthiest. Here's how to navigate your financial life in a way that you'll be blessed. Here's, here's how you deal with difficult people. He lays all of these things out. The answers are there. The guidebook to have your best life, my best life, and so much of it we ignore. And so I don't think it... It's an uncommon thought, perhaps, in the mind of God. I don't know. I'm not God. But, but I could see where God would often look at, at us, just like he looked at this guy, and think, do, do you really want to get well? You have the opportunity. But do you, do you really want it? Bethesda represents for you and me that place in life where we're stuck. The marriage that you're just enduring, the career that you hate, the finances that you're trying to make work, or you're stuck in your mind. And often we get stuck in our mind in where we want to be and who we want to be with and what we'd like to have and what we wished it would look like. And we live somewhere in our minds entirely different than where God has us. And it's interesting to me, Jesus meets him in this place, not where he wants to be. Do you want to get well? And instead of saying yes, the man just begins to explain. (laughs) Jesus, you've kind of got to understand, there's a system here and there's a way that things work. And about once a year, an angel will come and stir the pool. And the first one that can make it into the pool We'll get a miracle. And so we're waiting here. There's a, there's a way we do things here. There's a system to this. Here's the problem. You and I can develop systems whose entire purpose is simply to organize our problems. Some of you have highly organized problems. Your stress is highly organized. Your shame your worry, the way you worry, your regret, your guilt. You've organized in your mind your failure, the drama in your life. And you don't even realize that you have systems in place that have highly organized your problems. Jesus says, get up and walk, but, but, but that's not the system. So you can be so trapped by the system, so, so stuck that you can't even see how easy this could be with God. This guy has a system of thought that is contributing to how he's stuck and why he's stuck. He also has around him a support base that encourages his stuckness. Have you ever been sick? One of the things I've noticed about people as they get older, and sometimes they they deal with illnesses, I've noticed for some older people, and maybe this will be the case with me as I get older, I don't know, I hope not, but I've noticed, have you ever noticed among some older people, they deal with certain illnesses and they deal with it for so long, it becomes all they think about and all they talk about. They talk about when they're going to the doctor next and what the doctor said last time and all of their calls, all of their texts. It's all about their illness and what the new thing is. And if they deal with illness for a long time, it's almost like every waking moment is just processing their illness. Their entire world is shrunk to the issue they're dealing with. Their whole life becomes an ongoing conversation about their illness. Imagine this guy spending his whole life laying down, 
leaning over. He can't step up. He has what Scripture calls this disability. He's, he's never upright. That means he spent decades of his life laying down. And the people around him, they're doing the same thing. So he spent decades of his life laying down, seeing life from a down perspective, relating to people who are stuck in the same position. And if you do that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, seeing life from a down position, only relating to and talking to people that are seeing life from the same position, what does that do to your thinking? What does that do to how you process all that you're going through in life? What does that do to all of your relationships? Because they're with people that are just as stuck as you are. And every day the conversation is just about how stuck we all are. And maybe this will be the day when the water gets stirred. And maybe you'll make it in. Maybe I'll make it in. And everything is about being stuck. He's in a system that mentally has organized his problem. And he has a support base that encourages his problem. And the longer, the longer you stay in your problem, the more you, the more I will distance ourselves from people that could actually help us. Because now, while you're laying there, viewing life from that perspective, a down perspective, now you have friends that you complain with. You all talk the same language. It's always about how bad life is, about how negative it is, about how hopeless things feel, about how much you're having to overcome. And somebody tells their story and you say, oh, that's nothing. Here's what I'm going through right now. You have friends now that you worry with. That's what you spend your time doing from that down perspective. Everybody's behaving the same way and all the conversations are the same. He, he has a system in his mind <coughs> and a support base that feeds the problem. But he's also stuck. Structurally, remember verse two, the five colonnades, the colonnades were structures that were built for shade in an outdoor community. And so there'd be a colonnade with these columns and there'd be a center where, where it would have a roof. And as the shade would move, as the sun would move during the day and the shade would move, people would move to where the shade was. Colonnades are providing shade while you wait. They're making you comfortable in your waiting. Colonnades are what say to you and to me, you you can stay here as long as you want. This is built for people like you. So he's trapped in a system with a support base and a structure that is sheltering his problem. See, we have colonnades in our mind, mindsets and belief systems that we become comfortable with. And we almost settle into a less than life and just assume, well, this is how it is because we've surrounded ourselves with people that have less than lives and this is just how it is. The conversations are the same. Every Monday looks the same. The weekends are the same. And it's a less than life. And we're shaded by a structure of how we've built our lives. That somehow we find comfort in because at least we know it. At least it's not going to let us down. This is my life, and I wish it could be better, but I know what it's going to look like. There's structures in our minds that protect our our methods and our preferences. And if we're not careful, 
those structures can actually, in a way, become our God. And our mindset can create something that makes us comfortable, even in our spiritual disabilities, comfortable even in our emotional disabilities, comfortable even in our relational disabilities, comfortable with living a life that is so far beneath what God says we can actually live. And some of you, you're stuck. And your stuckness is so well supported and so highly organized and so highly structured. Your problems are highly structured. So the question is the same that was asked of this man 2,000 years ago. Do you want to get well? In this new year, do you want to get well? And this man couldn't even answer the question. He just expresses all that is keeping him stuck. And Jesus says to him, pick up your mat and walk. Do you want to get well? Are you fed up with how things are and what you've gotten used to and what you've allowed in your thinking patterns and in your life? Have you become comfortable with your own spiritual disabilities and where you are, the stagnancy in your relationship with God? Are you too used to a low view of life and doing life with those that have the same low view? Your miracle is not going to be found at Bethesda. Bethesda may be where everyone's going for a miracle, but it's not found there. Your miracle is found in leaving the mindset that's kept you in your mental Bethesda. That's why Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You have to leave where you are mentally for God to get you where you want to be. The stuckness, the pattern of thoughts, the same voices you listen to, chasing the comfort of shade for your problem rather than chasing the presence of God is what has kept you there. And if you want to be free from the problem, you've got to do some things differently to allow your mind to get unstuck and to move from the thinking patterns that you've developed. Do you want to get well? For me as a kid... On Lake Rayburn, Lake Sam Rayburn in Texas, I learned it. For you, maybe you're trying to pull the boat of your life up and connect to something that's safe and stable and steady and and predictable in a good way. And suppose I'm 20 yards away on the shore and and I just shout out to you, get out of there, you're you're sinking, you're in the mud, You're, you're getting stuck, get out of there. And you say, I can't. Can't you say I'm stuck? The more I struggle, the more I'm, I'm sinking and getting stuck. Why would you ask me to get out of here? It, it's this man's life. Hey, maybe you're a part of what's happening online today at C3, this online gathering. Because God wanted you, you to hear today me, me say to you, leave your shoes. Get out of your shoes. Step out of your shoes because the longer you stay in those shoes, you think you and your shoes are the same thing. Your shoes are sinking, but you don't have to. And you get so attached to your shoes, what you're used to, the systems you have in place. It's not you that's stuck. It's not this man that's stuck. It's the system that's causing you to remain stuck. It's the support base you've built around you that's causing you to remain stuck. It's the friends encouraging you in the kind of thinking that you're so used to that has been the pattern of your life that is causing you to be stuck. You've got to leave your shoes. You can step out of them and leave that thinking that has caused you to stay stuck because stuck is not an address. It's a state of mind. Over the years as a pastor, I've known people that have left their address 
because they thought somewhere else would be better or somebody else would be better or something else would be better. And the problem was stuck moved with them. Stuck is not an address. It's a state of mind. And right now, where you are, you can become unstuck. So I want to encourage you this week. Do one thing that's going to get your mind unstuck. As we begin this year, forgive when it's the hardest. Believe the best in spite of what you see. Trust just because. Begin to pray like you actually believe God will answer. And be content when it seems like it's not enough. Because if you do one thing each week, if I do one thing each week to get our mind unstuck this year, this year you you will leave your Bethesda and you will experience more of the life God created you to live than you ever have. See, (laughs) pandemics and politics don't send our God into hiding. He is just as much God this year as he was last year and since the beginning of time. So this year, what if we we actually experience the new and allowing God to make our minds new and to set our mind, our focus, and our pursuit on him and to learn to enjoy the embrace the joy of walking with God on a daily basis and experiencing becoming unstuck. I believe God has that for you this year. And part of that process is going to be connecting with people who love Jesus and will love you. Connecting with God. Connecting with a church. And I want you to know at C3, hey, there's room in this family for you. We want you to be unstuck this year. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you know that the first step to becoming unstuck is to commit your life to Christ. And I would love to pray a very simple prayer with you right now in this moment. As we begin 2021, if you'd like to ask Christ to come into your life and forgive your sin and be your God and help you begin that process of getting unstuck, just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you, shoot me a text. Would you just text your first name to 407-487-8311? 407-487-8311. The reason I ask you to do that, I'll get the list of names this afternoon, and I would love to be able to pray for you by name this week as you, as you begin this year, committing your life to Christ, looking into the rest of the year, and you don't know what's coming, and I don't either, but God does. And man, I want to know the God who knows what's coming, and I want to know the God who knows me and loves me. You want to know the God who knows you and loves you, and I'd love to be able to pray for you as you begin that journey. So shoot me the text. I also want to send you a free gift. So just send your first name to 407-487-8311. And then for those of you that are part of C3, or for those of you that are Christ followers, you're connected with us online, you're connected with what God's doing in the life of C3, I want to thank you for your generosity. And I want to encourage you. There's one thing, one thing that the U of 2022 would give a standing ovation of the U of today for. And that would be when you put Jesus first financially. When you set a pattern as we begin this new year of God, you come first. 
And so if you'd like to invest in what God's doing in C3, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. And you'll get a safe and secure link. And you can begin saying, God, I want you to be first in my finances in 2021. I'm putting you first. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. I can't wait for next weekend. It's going to be awesome as we continue this series, the 2021 Masterclass. And we're going to help you this year. We're going to resource you. God's going to resource us to get unstuck. Have an amazing week. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at giveC3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.